Welcome back to another episode of Dear Single Mama Podcast. I am your host and founder, Clarion Brown, and I am so excited to have you all joining back with us on today. Today, I have a special, special treat. As always, all of the episodes are special treats, but this one was really, really placed on my heart to um talk about because so many people especially single mothers are going through this particular subject or have had gone through it and still kind of dealing with the after effects of everything and so I wanted to bring on someone who was really going to dive deep into it but who also has the background educational wise but also someone who um, can relate to you and be very um, personal with you um, as well. So today I have Ms. Rhonda L. Thompson. She is 54, excuse me, years old. She has five children and 10 grandchildren. That's a lot of grandchildren. <laughs> she holds a dual, a dual master's degree in advanced psychology and crisis intervention as well as three separate bachelor degrees in all psychology um, in three areas of addiction and recovery, crisis intervention, and trauma and Christian counseling, all from Liberty University. She also holds an associate's degree in computer information with a specialization in computer programming. Rhonda is a graduate of the Landmark Forum, where she became an introduction leader. Rhonda is a Georgia State, she's certified, y'all, certified family violence intervention facilitator and a certified moral recognition facilitator from the Correctional Counseling Incorporation. Rhonda is also a certified anger management specialist, a certified grief specialist, a certified e-therapist, and a certified life coach. She owns and operates Total Breakthrough Center where she provides court-appointed classes and group therapy to those who are released from prison and jail and mandated to take classes for family violence, anger management, parenting, and shoplifting prevention. Rhonda also facilitates substance abuse classes in levels one and two as a specialized contractor with a partnering company. Rhonda is also an on-air personality and operates the Rhonda's Room radio show on Power 108.9, which airs live and streams on Facebook and YouTube from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Due to popular demand, two new TV shows have been created, allowing guests from all over the world to be on the Rhonda's Room and airs across multiple platforms. It airs on E360 TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, Apple TV, Facebook, YouTube, Apple, iOS, and Periscope. Rhonda's Room Over the Top TV showcases over-the-top talent, art topics, and airs on Thursday evenings from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rhonda's past includes a plethora of abuse from physical, sexual, verbal, and psychological. 
She at one time worked in massage parlors and as a stripper until having to encounter, until having an encounter with a customer who told her she did not belong there. And from that day, she left that lifestyle. Rhonda has battled with low self-esteem, low self-worth for most of her life until she finally had the courage to do the work. That's very important. And come face to face with her past and release it. Her book is titled Victory Over Defeat Every Time. Everyone is worth keeping. Because for so long she felt she was not worth keeping. The book is in process of a new release and revision. She is known as Rhonda 10 ATL and has a large following. Rhonda has acted since 2012 and appeared in many stage plays, television shows like Tyler Perry's House of Pain, Kenny Leon's movie Steel Magnolias, and currently acts as well as trains actors whenever she gets the opportunity. Rhonda is currently working on three book projects of her own as well as collectively with other authors. And she also has a thriving coaching and counseling business, which I'm so sure and will definitely allow her to speak about um, later on. Rhonda plans to begin her PhD this year in traumatology and positive psychology because she knows everything comes back to a trauma and her specialty is trauma and how to overcome it and thrive while walking in it in your true purpose. Wow, I don't think I've I've read a bio more <laughs> detailed with more accolades just yet. So welcome, Rhonda. How are you? Oh my goodness, thank you. I was listening and I was like, wow, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't realize what uh, you've done or what you accomplished until you hear somebody like literally read it back to you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But thank you Amazing. so much. I'm so happy. I'm so honored to be here on your broadcast class. And I just, I'm really looking forward to this. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you um, for coming on. I I see that you're probably a very busy individual. So thank you for taking out the time to come and speak to my audience about um, trauma. Um, you know, I, we met, um, through a mutual friend on, um, from Clubhouse and, um, we did a single, um, parenting conference and, um, summit. And then when I heard your story, I said, you know, I have to have her on the show. Yes. Um, because so many people, especially single mothers, um, and I'm not singling anyone out specifically, but, you know, I know it from a standpoint of a single mother's mm-hmm. um, viewpoint. I said, man, I have to have her on the show. Your story was just amazing. It was powerful. And just reading off your accolades is even more powerful. So can you just tell us just a little bit about um, your story um, and your testimony like what what brought you to all of this sure thank you so much um well like like you very eloquently said um i'm 54 years old and um and it's it's funny because i don't look nor feel 54 most people think i'm in my 30s which is at all an awesome awesome thing yes italian (laughs) jeans but um but i uh i've got five children that are adults now my youngest denzel is uh 24 He'll, yeah, he'll be 25 in June and my oldest is 35 and I have 10 grandchildren. Uh, one of them um, is no longer with us. So I have nine living grandchildren, oh, which I'm, I'm sure sorry we'll to hear get, that. thank you. I'm sure we'll get into all of that as well. 
but yeah, I was married for two. I was married twice. Um, once, uh, was for eight and a half years. And, uh, well, I had my oldest daughter when I was 19. That's, that's where the story starts. I had my oldest daughter when I was 19 and her father and I never got married. Um, and he was the first man to ever hit me and he was a professional boxer. So when he hit me the first time, um, I have a boxer cut in my eyebrow. He knocked me out unconscious. Um, just with the one hit, just like any boxer does. And he was the first man to physically hit me. And, um, I never married him, but when I was leaving him, it took me four and a half years to leave him because I did not realize back then that there were men, some men, not all men, but some men hit women. And I was never taught that. And the way that Mm. I was brought up with my mom, there was a lot of trauma that happened in the house. And the relationship with my mother had been broken to the point where when that happened, one, I was ashamed. Two, I never knew this existed because I never was told about it. So I thought, of course, something's wrong with me. It's my fault. And, um, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. <clears throat> so, you, you know, looking back, you can see all the signs that you couldn't see when you were in it. So now when I look back, mm-hmm. every single red flag for an abusive or relationship based <clears throat> on power and control was there. But I didn't know because I had never been taught it and I had never really seen it, so to say. So I thought something was wrong with me. And mm. then, of course, his family said, well, he's never done that to anybody else. It must be you. Or what? Or here, here is the favorite thing. What did you oh, do wow. to make him mad? Because he's such a nice guy. Wow. And even the police, they're like, "Really, him? He's such a nice guy. We've never wow. heard of that before." So then, of course, now I'm ashamed, feeling mm-hmm. like something's wrong with me. So I start trying to apologize to him, which is twisted in itself, and wow. you know, and not realizing that. I did not deserve to be treated that way, but my past prior to him, because I was only 18 at this time, I had been through so much trauma in my house to where I thought I felt badly about myself. Mm. I was ashamed of myself and part of me psychologically felt I deserved it because I was a bad girl. Wow. That's where it started. But I never married him. Took four years to to leave. But when I did leave, that's when I got into the dancing and stuff because I was modeling. So I did the only thing I knew and I wanted to make a lot of money quickly. So Mm -hmm. um, that's the route that I went. But um, it didn't last long. And when I got married to my first husband, I didn't know him. I met him. And three months later, we got married because my self-esteem was in such a bad spot that Mm -hmm. I thought getting married would be the way out, that it would be the thing that would save me because all I wanted was a a family. All I wanted was to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so I got married for the wrong reasons. But we had four children. So that's where the other children came. But then I ended up divorcing him after eight and a half years because... Well, we'll get into that too. That, that's mm-hmm. a, another spiral. <laughs> and I was married a second time, but we didn't have any children. So I've been single, a uh, single parent since it was 98. So from 1998, I was a single parent and um, raised my kids by myself. And I had, when I divorced my first husband, the kids were 
two, four, six, eight, and 13 that I had by mm. myself. And that was a lot. That was very overwhelming. And um, yeah, yeah it, it I had dealt with a lot of things that I didn't have any help. So believe me, I know what it's like to be a single parent. And, you know, to this day, you know, they'll still say that I was the only one that was there because their father has never really been in their life. He's he's there in and out, but he's he's not. Yeah. So that's that's just like a little bit of the foundation. Um, I don't know how deeply you want me to go into the story, but no, uh, for different things. Feel free as, okay. as you feel led. Feel free. Okay. Um, well, where would you like me to start? <laughs> I mean, you know, is there a specific area? Because all those certifications you read, here's mm-hmm. here's what I did is once I began to start healing, I, um, I, w- I didn't have any help going through anything. So once I st- started getting into psychology, that was my favorite subject in school. And um, my whole life, I tried to please people. Didn't realize that I was doing that. But like even, even down to mm. in high school, you know, when you have to go pick, it's your senior year and you got to tell what, what are your plans for the future? And you got to put that under your senior picture. Well, mm-hmm. my favorite class was psychology. I loved psychology. I just came alive in the psychology classes. And I told my guidance counselor, I said, man, you know, I really love the psychology classes. And she says, well, Rhonda, you know, you're so smart. You have, you know, because we test. And I was the type that I never had to study for school. I just naturally was gifted with math and science. And I always Uh scored really high. And I could always understand abstract things that nobody else could understand. Wow. That was right up my well, alley. That's a blessing. Yeah. And so she, my psychology counselor, she said, I mean, my, my guidance counselor, she said, well, Rhonda, you know, you score so high in math and science, you know, computers is the wave of the future. Cause I graduated in 84 mm-hmm. and um, psychology is, you're not going to get paid much. You know, why don't you go for um, computers instead? And then at that time, uh, you know how the, uh, all the services, the, the Marines, the Army, and all that, they come to the school to try to recruit kids. Uh-huh. Well, they had a recruiting day, and, you know, <coughs> I took the tests and stuff because, you know, you got extra credit to get out of class. So, yeah, we, t- we took the test. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, we weren't thinking about it. We were just trying to, you know, get out, get of, out class, of class. Get out of class. Yeah. So I took the <laughs> test, and um, the I, I started getting intrigued with the Marines because, everything I was going through in my house. Now this is prior to getting pregnant. I I had been sexually abused and molested and neglected and taken advantage of since the time I was eight years old. Mm. And I was tired of people hurting me and I couldn't fight back. So I was like, what's the hardest one to get in? And uh, it was the Marines hands down. So the Marine recruiter, uh, he, um, he was, he was really, really handsome, number one. So I was distracted with that. And, and that, that has a special part in the story because men were my distraction. And that's mm. how I got pulled into different things. Because remember, I just wanted to be loved. But it was men yeah. that was hurting me my whole life. But then I was trying to be loved. So, you know, the recruiter was very handsome. And um, I joined the Marines. And I joined the Marines to get out of the house because of everything that was happening to me. And they mm-hmm. again said, Rhonda, you scored so high, you can <clears> literally <throat> pick whatever job you want. And so mm. I said, well, what job is the hardest? Because I was trying to prove something now. Yeah. And, um, and I picked the hardest job 
And the thing is, is I never paid attention to my true love, which was psychology. So I allowed, mm. now I've got two people telling me that I should be doing computers and I should be doing technical and I should be doing engineering, this type of thing, because I had the, the um, ability to understand things on a high level. And so I, I went that route. I didn't like computers, but my first, that's why my first degree is in programming. I still do computers today. Like my job, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm on the engineering team, but my love is psychology. And after yeah. I was 40 years old, I went back to college and I started pursuing psychology. And that wow. is where I found all my kids were grown and they were the only ones that was in the audience when I graduated. But that was the beginning of, wow, I think I finally have found what I'm supposed to be doing. So it was after I had the five kids. It was after everything happened. And then I returned back to what felt natural and good in the beginning. And I started getting the answers that I needed that I never got growing up. And so that's why psychology, I've been in school since then. So Mm. that's why I'm going after degree, 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 because I got certified in every single thing I've ever been through. Wow. Wow. I mean, that was just so jam packed. But that last statement, you got certified and everything. So uh, I I want to kind of go back a little bit because I was really thinking about this. So your your first relationship at 19, Mm -hmm. you were abused and you're sitting there for four years. For the person that's listening that's still in an abusive Mm -hmm. relationship or in any type of abuse, um, Mm -hmm. what would you say, how do they get out? How did you finally wake up and said, you know what, enough is mm-hmm. enough. And how did you leave? Because, you know, now I've never been in an abusive relationship, but I could imagine how manipulative mm-hmm. they can be to get you to stay. So how did you eventually leave? Well, that was, um, the honest goodness, that was nothing but God, because mm. I, I would have stayed. I would have continued to stay. And most people will say, well, gosh, if you're getting beat up, if you're getting your head bashed in, why don't you just leave? Here's mm-hmm. the thing. You can't just leave. And this is the thing that people don't understand because mm. the abusive relationship is built upon power and control. And by the yeah. time you get into that aspect of it, it's see, nobody ever wakes up and says, hey, I'm going to be an abuser. And likewise, nobody ever wakes up and says, hey, I'm going to get into an abusive relationship. It is something that is done over time. And, mm. and all the components have to line up and see with me, what was going on in my house prior to meeting him. All right. So I was eight years old the first time I had sex and it was because my cousin had molested me mm. and they said that uh, it was, you know, Hey, we're showing peepees. I'll show you mine. You show me yours. And he was an older cousin. I thought we were playing a game. Didn't even realize what happened. But I know now that was the first violation, because when you start going through going back and looking at everything, you can see the things that happened that lead to it. So eight years old was the first time. And so now my mother, she was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and I can never remember her being sober for a long period of time. And I grew Mm. up with this. So my mother was a single mother. and she had all her own issues. She raised us to never trust men, to always have more than one man 
you know, have on the side and never tell each other about the other. And she raised us to be racist, which that never sat well with me because mm-hmm. in my family, um, my sister has a different dad, but I'm the darkest person in my family. Like oh, even wow. when we take family pictures, I stand out like you would not believe because I am um, Italian. I'm Sicilian. So I've got the dark hair, the dark skin, the full lips, um, mm-hmm. big thighs. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I look like a sister. That's how I'm built. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I always stood out. My hair is a thicker course and everything like that. And so I never fit in even in my family. So that that's very important because a lot of components have to be in play for you to get into a physically abusive relationship. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's because ba- yeah. they, they feed upon your insecurities. Right. Because yep. here's the thing. You could be in a room and there could be a, a hundred wonderful people that would treat you fabulous. Mm-hmm. And there could be that one person that's going <clears> to <throat> treat you like garbage. And innately you will be intrigued by the one that will treat you like garbage because here's the thing especially if you don't feel like you're worth keeping like i did Uh, and you don't feel like you're worth being loved mm -hmm. okay you're not going you 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 don't get what you want you get what you believe you deserve yeah so that plays a big part so i didn't feel i deserved that so i wouldn't even look at the men that possibly would have treated me right because I thought, oh, no, uh, they're too good for me. I, they need somebody better than me. So that yeah. that's critical, you know. And, and so a predator that's an abuser, they play on that because it's like mm-hmm. the energy, you send that energy out into the, you know, everything is energy. So you walk around and you feel like insecure. You feel like you're not worth keeping. You you walk a certain way. You hold your head a certain way. Your language is a certain thing. So somebody who is a predator picks up on that. Now yeah. they have a need to control. <clears throat> so they're going to pick up. They're not going to go for the people that would be like, look, you got one time to hit me, buddy. And I'm, I'm a whoop and I'm going to beat you down. They're, they're not going to go for that person because they yeah. know they can't have that control. So there's a lot of dynamics in effect. So first and foremost, the person that is in the abusive relationship, and I'm going to say male or female, because there's a lot of abusive women. Yeah. So whether you are male, female, adult, or child, number one, it's not your fault. That's the biggest thing. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with you. Right. It's just where you are right now, and you're unable to see. Now, if you're trying to get out and you want to get out, You never, here's the first thing I tell people, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in a physically abusive relationship, you never tell the abuser you're leaving. That is mistake number one. Hmm. And why, and and why is that? Because a person who is an abusive person who is based on power and control, they're a narcissist at the core. Mm. And so if you, they have to have control, they have to have power. So if you say, well, I'm going to leave you, I'm leaving you then you're going to escalate the situation because now you're going to make them look bad. Oh. And they can't have that. Mm. And I had somebody um, in church one time tell me, well, just pray or just call 911 in front of them. That is the worst advice you can give somebody because you will get that person killed. Because if you, if an abuser is coming at you and you're calling 911 in front of them, they're like, oh, okay, bet. You're calling, you're calling 911? You, you about to leave in a body bag. 
So you never tell the abuser you're leaving. You have to have an escape plan, a safety mm. plan. You need to make a safety plan of escape. And here's the thing. The people you think you can trust, you can't trust. Mm. So you have to have a few trusted people. You have to have a, a separate set of clothes. Make a copy of all your documents, all your records. Because when you go to leave, the abuser then gets threatened. Like, I went to leave, and he would slash my tires. Oh, man. And he literally told me, if I can't have you, nobody will. I will kill you first before you leave. Jesus. And you're not taking my daughter. And we were pulling on my daughter, arm to arm, and literally, I left her. That's the reason I left her there. And I was homeless. I was living in my car. He wouldn't let me leave. So I left her because I wanted her to have a safe place. But you have to make a plan of escape. And you have to have another set of clothes. You know, you quietly put money aside. You quietly, you know, copy all of your important records because they'll rip them up in front of you. Wow. Especially like your driver's license or if you have mm-hmm. immigration papers, they're going to rip up the thing that you need right in front of you. Wow. Because their entire thing is to stop you because they right. can't have you make them look bad. Wow. So the first thing is, you know, get some help. You, there's a women's resource center in every single city. Mm. Contact a women's resource center. There are crisis lines in every single city that you can call, but you don't call when you're home. And the thing is, is depending on what kind of abuser you have, you can't even call from your phone because they surveillance your phone. They track where you're going. They got yeah. things on you. So you have to have a trusted friend with another phone that you can contact and you go on a different computer. Because they can track everything on the computer, what you've been doing. And if they get wind of you're planning to leave them, it's about to escalate like you wouldn't believe. So you make a safety plan. And, yeah, get in contact with the Women's Resource Center. um, Make copies of your uh, all your important papers, all your kids' birth certificates, everything. And have that separate somewhere at another place. You can even get, like, a safety deposit box at a bank and keep it in there. Or you get a storage unit. You know, and little by little be getting stuff and, you know, put it in your storage unit so that you have something when you get ready to leave. Wow. I mean, it, it, you know, and I've heard that so many times where people will say like, hey, like, yeah, um, just why don't you just leave? Just Mm -hmm. just leave. But hearing it is not that's simple and I no. think that that's like man that's mind yeah. blowing and so I really pray that and then you're like, afraid to leave you're afraid yeah. to leave because yeah. see, your your self esteem that when I met him okay I was accepted into the marines I, I had scored higher than anything on all the tests mm-hmm. I'm modeling I'm in college and in the course of the time now, but, remind, but remember I wanted to be loved so much All I wanted was to be loved. Mm -hmm. So when this, and he was handsome, he was very handsome Mm -hmm. and he was very sweet. See, an abuser doesn't start off abusing. They're very sweet. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, stuff happens and, you know, and little by little, they'll start to make you question yourself and the components of, I couldn't talk to my mother because of what was going on. You know, and I I didn't even tell you what went down with my mom, but there was a reason I couldn't talk to my mother. So I felt I was alone. And then his family is saying he's never done this. Yeah. So all of that is building my security. It's something that happens gradually. By, By the time I was pregnant with him, with his daughter, 
I he had me convinced that I was the ugliest, stupidest woman and nobody would want me except him. And that's something that's done over time because people would be like, how in the world could you possibly think that? Well, all yeah. the other components have to be in place. Low self-esteem, mm-hmm. low self-worth, mm-hmm. I couldn't talk to my mom, and they isolate you. They isolate you from your family and your friends and your support system. But they do it in a way of, well, you know what? Um, I just love you so much. I want to spend more time with you. Um, why don't you just tell your, your sister, yeah, you're not going to go to that. And you're like, okay, yeah, I want to spend time with you too. And then it turns into, well, you know, your friends, your best friends, well, they're just jealous of what we have. Wow. So, you know, why don't you just, you know, um, not go there? And then it gets to be demanding. Well, you need to make a choice. It's either them or me. They're not there with you. And, you know, I'm here. I love you. And you, you need to make a choice. And then it starts to change to where they start to control what you do, what you think, what you see, who you talk Jesus. to. And so little by little, they take all your support system away. Mm. And when you realize you don't have anybody, then you stay. And then you get to the point where it's Stockholm syndrome. You actually begin to want to please the abuser. Mm. And Ooh. yeah, and then it's a, you're afraid to leave. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a whole thing that goes down. And that's why, a person cannot just leave because one, they're afraid of, they've become dependent on this person. Now yeah. they're, they're convinced in their mind. They can't make it financially. Mm. Oh, got all these kids. Who's going to love me. Um, or, you know, they've been convinced they're not smart. They've been convinced nobody else is going to want them. And they believe that. And that's why it's hard to leave. And then they're afraid. They're like, well, what if I, what if I can't make it on my own? What if I can't? And that, keeps you locked in even longer wow man you know like just hearing you say that you know i hear people and me too i'm gonna tell myself too how people have made jokes un you know Mm -hmm. un subconsciously to to say well this is like a lifetime movie but explaining everything just hearing from what you said this is literally like so what lifetime has some truth the lifetime movies have some truth because It's the exact same way from just explaining from what you just said. So, so uh, a question. So with that, if, you know, so you say you, you left your child, was your child, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind sharing, um, Mm -hmm. was your child ever harmed in that situation or did he take care of you all's child together? Well, here's the thing. I thought I was doing the right thing because he had two other children and their family um, was very close and, um, and I don't want to, well, I'm just going to say, cause it is the truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you deal with different ethnicities, okay. And different diverse backgrounds, problems arise. Now, remember I told you my mother raised us to be prejudiced. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was never prejudiced. I was the person who got along with everybody because, uh, me, I was an outcast. I was darker than anybody in my family. So I felt more comfortable around people that had some sort of melanin in their, you know, melatonin in their skin because I I looked like them. So he was Puerto Rican. Mm. And so when I told my mom that, of course, she was like, a spick? Are you kidding me? You about to have a spick child? Don't ever bring that child in my house. Oh, wow. So I can't talk to her. And then now I felt like I deserved it, you know, and, um, And when you're dealing with different diversities, 
their family um, a lot different than a typical white family mm -hmm. with their components of what they believe, how they act, how they interact. And so their family was very, very close. They had the family that I wanted. Mm. And so I thought my daughter would be better off with them. Because I'm trying to leave him. And I'm like, my family is a mix of garbage. And it's so dysfunctional. Um, it would be better. Because remember, when I went to leave, I didn't think it was going to be a long time. I thought I was just going to get on my feet. I was like, well, you know what? My daughter will be better. He already has two kids. Uh, he's a great father. That's what I saw. And the family is there. He's got all the support. I don't know what I'm doing. So the best thing I could do is leave my daughter here mm. temporarily while I get on my feet. Now, we were never married, but he he ended up getting custody. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. And then the family kept her from me and wouldn't let her see, wouldn't Jesus. let me see him. And, you know, so when I got married, I went back to get her and it, that was a whole big thing. But she ended up staying with him because she felt I abandoned her. Mm. She stayed with him on and off until she was 12. Mm. So I never really had her now. What, to, what was supposed to be temporary turned into 12 years. Jesus. And she's angry at me now. She's angry. And she doesn't want to be with me. And now she is getting told a bunch of lies from them. Mm -hmm. Your mother never loved you. She left you here. So she's got all this anger built up against me. And when she got pregnant with my uh, grandson, because she was 15 when she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when she got pregnant, okay, that's when I know now, because my daughter just told me this, because she never told me stuff. She just told me this like a few years ago. That's when he started beating her. Oh, no. And he did terrible things to her the whole time. And that's part of the reason she hated me so much because she felt I left her there and come to find out he was abusing her terribly. And I did not know that. And then I was told by the courts, well, it's best if you don't mess up her, her um, status quo. You know, we just recently started having a relationship. Wow. And she, yeah, and have finally gotten to the point of telling each other the truth and forgiveness. So my whole life has been a struggle with her. And i come to find out he was doing terrible things to her. And I did not know it. Jesus. Woo. That in itself is, is heavy. So through, through all of that, your, you know, Phil relationships, um, your, your marriage when did the moment click? And I, I know you kind of talked about this. Well, you know, I really want to dive into this. You said that you studied everything that mm -hmm. you've been through, which I think yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Was your initial response to go through it to kind of, and to study it, to understand yeah. it? Yep. Um, A little bit more? Okay. Yeah. That And that's how most people get into psychology is because mm -hmm. you go there because you're so messed up and you don't have anybody to talk to. So you're trying to find the answers for yourself. But I also I connected with that back in high school and I just I just felt natural. I, I it was like something I was meant to do. I understood behavior. I understood. And the more abstract it was, the more it intrigued me. So when you're getting into 
uh, advanced disorders and stuff like that with the brain and personalities and why people do what they do. That intrigued mm-hmm. me because I look back at my life. Why did they do this? Why, why did I act the way I did? What, what was in me? Why did I feel this? What, what happened? Where was the breakdown? So I wanted the answers for myself. And as I started studying, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I do this. Oh my gosh, this is why my mother did that. This is why. So I was getting the answers that I needed my whole life. Mm. And then I, then as I was getting the answers and I'm getting my own self healing, then I'm like, wow, you know what, what would happen if I tried to help other people that I hurt along the way? And then I wanted to make amends for the people that I hurt, starting with my daughter. I was like, okay, what is my daughter? What, what could possibly be her perspective? So then I started reading stuff from the perspective of my daughter. Okay, well, this is why she feels this way. This is why my kids feel this way. This is why, you know, and I was like, okay, well, let me go and try to correct those things. So then I started to try to fix my own environment. And when it became that, you know, I got my answers. But then when I really wanted to help somebody else, that's when I realized, wow, this is what I was meant to do. You know, because Mm. I realized after studying and looking at everything, I finally came and could see that, you know, everybody is hurt and Mm -hmm. hurting, you know, when you're hurt, hurting people, hurt other people, people out of their hurt Mm -hmm. and they don't know any better. It's because it's the way they see the world. It's because of their experience. It's how they, they show up in the world through the eyes of something that hurt them. And if that's why trauma is my specialty. everything goes back to a trauma. And if you can go back to that initial trauma, and then I started to have compassion. Mm -hmm. I had compassion on him. And I'm like, okay, why did he, you know, um, and like the people that I get, that I get, a lot of them are out of prison. People like, Rhonda, I can't believe you work with those people. I I have the people that have killed people. I have the people that have been trafficked. I have the women that have been locked in cages when they were six years old. Mm -hmm. I have the, you know, the people that, uh, don't know what gender they want to be. It all goes back to a trauma. Mm. And if you can heal, especially Ooh. the abuser, you know, the person who's abusing, whether it's male or female, if you can heal that first initial trauma, it's just like a bully, a bully who's, be, you know, being a bully in the, the schoolyard, mm-hmm. you find out always at home, their home the, life the, is, is bullying. Yeah. And they just want friends. They just want to be accepted, but they, they don't know how to do it. So whenever anything is out of control in a person's life, they have to have control. That's why they become controlling because everything mm. out of, uh, everything else is out of control. So the only way they can maintain control is to be controlling. So they can, they can control every aspect of their life and make sure that they have the say so on what happens. Yeah. So it's like, it gets to get really interesting. So now when you see behaviors, because I study behaviors, I study people. As soon as I can see somebody doing something, I'm like, okay, boom. I bet you this is what they've been through because I, I've got the experience now because certain things, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. Certain things are paired up with characteristics of other things. So when you see somebody who's controlling right away, that tells you, they, they feel out of control. That's why they have to. So you got to find the area they find that they're out of control in. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you'll start to untangle the web. And so that's when it, it just, the light goes on. It really does. And then I finally realized that I wasn't crazy that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my mother ended up 
she she was forced. She she changed her mind, her perspective on being racist because when I got married to my husband, he was black. So mm-hmm. all of her grandkids, all of her grandkids were multiracial. So she yeah. had no, and then my sister, when she got married, her husband was black. So every <laughs> grandchild yeah. she has is black or Spanish or something. Yeah. She had to come to terms. And then she admitted that that was wrong. And that's just how she was raised. So I saw my mom change, you know? So, yeah, you, you, you just, you, you realize that you weren't off. You were dead on. And you, you start to realize you can trust your own instinct. And that's when it really started to change for me. I was like, you know what? I felt this a long time ago and I didn't trust it. And I was spot on. And then you start to have confidence. And then you're like, well, if I was right about this, maybe I'm right about that. And, Mm. you know, start to trust yourself more and you start to build trust with yourself again. Wow. Man, that's so heavy. I mean, well, not, not in a, it's not in a negative way. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's layered because, you know, people come in layers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, It's layers and it's a good thing. And when you start to figure stuff out, Mm-hmm. Then it's it's a it's incredible. It's exciting. You're like, okay, that's why I do this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, what what's the next thing I need? And that's how it it, it was for me. It became like an adventure because mm-hmm. I was getting the answers. Yeah. So is that how you begin your your healing process from all of that by studying what you were or what you previously went through? Is that how you begin healing? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um. And the, as far as the abuse, the my 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 healing for the abuse didn't come until, mm-hmm. and I got cast in a play. I was the mother of the abuser, and I flashed back on stage. Mm-hmm. And through this play and the way she wrote it, it was my story. Wow! And I got to act it out. And when I acted it out, I got to release all those feelings. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Rhonda, you played that part, like, to, to date. Nobody's ever played that part as well as I did. I'm like, because it was my life. Right. So I was able to express my feelings. Mm. Because when you go through all that stuff, you suppress so much. And I was able to yell and scream on stage. And I was able to, and that's what I needed. I needed to scream. I needed to yell. I mm-hmm. needed to, you know, uh, all that anger and all that hurt that was inside. I needed to release it. And that's when I finally started getting healed from the abuse because I carried this my whole life. And then performing arts, then, you know, that's why I love performing arts so much. The, the, you, you can express. And when I went to Landmark, um, I had to come face to face with different things in my life because I had a coach. And, uh, you know, you write your story when you go there and they actually picked me. And, um, and I got my, my breakthrough there. And when I, he made me face certain things that I I couldn't face myself. And when we were done, the transformation I had, it, it freed 400 people that were watching. And I I said, how do I do what you just did? And that's how I became an introduction leader. So that was actually the beginning of it. And then the plays came afterwards, but I had to come face to face with it. And and I released it. And then when I did that, I, I looked at the man and he looked just like my father, which was a big thing because all, all my stuff just stems from my father leaving. 
So it's like the universe just lined up and gave me what I needed. Because when you're ready to heal and you're ready to begin the work, the universe shows up and puts people in your pathway. Mm. And you just have to be willing to, to go that pathway, you know, and I was praying, I was praying. And so whether you call it God, whether you call it the universe, whatever your belief is, once you're ready to make a step, everything opens up and people are put in your life that can take you to the next step. And that's what began to happen for me. Mm. And each part, each person had a part in my healing, Mm. but I had to come face to face with myself, which was the one person I couldn't face. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I think that's so good that you said that because I think that a lot of people um, are afraid of going through that healing process because they may feel like that they have to do it alone. Oh, yeah. And most people do. And that's why your addiction is so high. You know, and here's the thing, and you know, there was addiction all through my family and and I got addicted to sex, you know, because sex was my addiction Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be loved so much. It had nothing to do with sex. Sex, a a sex addiction is an intimacy disorder. Mm. It has nothing to do with sex. So when people are like, oh, they're sick, they're, they just, they can never be satisfied. They're, they're insatiable. No, it has nothing to do with that. Sex, a sex addiction is an intimacy disorder. Because remember, I just want it to be loved. Yeah. So an intimate so, disorder is just wanting that closeness, that intimacy with connection. someone. Connection. Wow. Because we are created for connection. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, and I did this. Um, part of one of my, my, tra- my studies was, and I didn't realize this, connection is like the core component of a lot of my teaching is you have to, is a connection. Because... If, a, if an infant is born, there was like a experiment done in Russia with like 400 babies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when uh, you know, when some infants are born and if they're sick, they go into a NIC unit, uh-huh. like a neonatal. OK. And you got to put your hands through the thing and you can't touch the mm-hmm. baby, but you, they're in like this thing. Well, they did an experiment, uh, a Russian experiment where they took babies and they kept them from human contact. Mm-hmm. And do you know? More than half of them died because of no no human contact Mm -hmm. and there was nothing physically wrong with them. You need contact. You need connection. Mm -hmm. So people that say they're like, oh, I'm just a loner. I'm just good. No, they're afraid. They've they've guarded that wall up because we're designed for connection. We're designed to you know, not be alone. Mm -hmm. That's a human thing. And, you know, I've heard of that study before. And um, this is another topic for another day, but I'm going to mention it that when you go to the hospital and you have their babies, the babies, they immediately take them to go and clean them up. And mm-hmm. I have an issue with that. My last yeah. child, my friend was my midwife and she was in a room. And I said, no, I want them to play unless he is sick or he, mm-hmm. he's about to die. He needs to lay on me first. As soon as right. they pull him out, lay my child on me first. Then yeah. y'all can go do clean him yeah. up. I don't care about all yeah. the blood, whatever. I, yeah. I don't care about all right. He's been in me for nine months. It's okay. Right. I can go take a shower, right. or put my baby on me first. But that's another topic yeah. for another day. Yeah. I will and not deliver true. at a hospital ever again. Yeah, and that's true because that con- that connection, that bond is so important. Because mm-hmm. babies by instinct have a sucking um, ability. Yeah. And, you know, and whoever, and that, that becomes their first connection. So if somebody is just taking them up and cleaning them and they're not allowed to bond with the mother, right. then that actually creates 
um, difficulty for that mother to bond mm. going forward, you know, and like there's people that have babies in the hospital and, you know, if they're sick or whatever, you know, you have to hold a baby every so often. Yeah. You cannot just leave a baby alone. That's why a lot of times I cry just to be held. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. instinctually they know they need connection. Right. Right. That's they amazing. Come out the womb knowing that, man, yeah. this is amazing. And this has been so good and so insightful. I love those episodes where it's so knowledgeable yeah. and just packed and that can really just um bless someone and help someone um and thank you so much for sharing your story with us i know that you have so much more that you can probably um oh yeah we haven't even share with us scratch the tip of the surface yet but yeah okay well then we're definitely gonna have to bring you back because i i know that you have so much and this is like i just want to hear it all um and just not for me, I know that for someone who's right. listening who may be going through this exact same thing, it's like, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. What's right. next? Right. But the the key points that, that you said, how to leave and yeah. what to do to prepare yeah. to yeah. leave, which I think is right. so, so yeah. key um, to be able, the first step to get you out of right. that situation, which is really, really um, key. So, yeah, yeah, whatever you feel, Uh trust it, Mm -hmm. seriously. And, like, speaking to that person that's in that relationship right now, if you don't feel good, Mm -hmm. if somebody is making you feel badly by telling you things and it's hurting you to your heart, okay, you're not supposed to be there. And, you know, and it's not you. Yeah. You're, you're, You're not a bad person. You're not ugly. You're not fat. You're not a horrible mother. And I'm just going to say, yeah. it, okay, because uh, you're not worthless, you, so, you know, and people there, people will love you. People will love you no matter how many kids you have. You're not so far gone that nobody wants you. It, that's all a lie to keep you stay connected mm-hmm. there. You are worth keeping. You are worth loving. You have an entire future ahead of you. And maybe you've never known happiness before. You can't get it from another person, place or thing. So if it doesn't feel good, it's not good. Yeah. No matter how you try to convince yourself, if it doesn't feel good, it's not good. You you deserve so much more. And find you you can also you can always in every city you can call 211, which is United Way for resources. But you need to get out and make a plan and decide that you're worth it. And that takes a long time and I get it. I understand that. And it's hard and it's scary, but you know what? There're going to be people in your pathway that are going to help you, but you got to make that first step and you got to want to be well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. This was really good, Rhonda. Thank you so so much for coming on to talk with the people um and yes we definitely will bring you back but um i have a question so how can the people get into contact with you to get um your coaching services um just be able to contact you sure of course. Well, I'm, I'm in the metro Atlanta area, but I coach and counsel people all over the world, different countries. I actually am partnered in London where I counsel people in London as well. Wow, nice. Women. So you, you can contact me no matter where you're at. My phone number is 470-557-0515. My website is www.totalbreakthroughcenter.com. And you can, you know, reach me there. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, 
you know, Rhonda Thompson, but there's a lot of Rhonda Thompson's on, on IG. I'm Rhonda T in ATL because it's R-H-O-N-D-A-T-I-N-A-T-L. So you can reach me on Instagram as well. And, um, and especially if you're struggling or if you need a plan of escape, contact mm-hmm. me and I can locate in your area, the closest shelter, and I can let you know where you need to go. Yes. That is amazing. Where you are. That's and amazing. it doesn't matter if you're male or female. That Thank you so much for that. I think that's so key. That's so vital. Thank you so much. And if you miss any oh, of pleasure. her information, it will all be in the description. Um, section of the podcast for you to be able to copy and see it um as well if you missed it i am clarion brown um you can reach me um if you want to talk about um a topic um if you want to be a guest on the show um or even if you want to hear about something or suggest a topic or even if you want to um sow a seed into the podcast you can reach me on facebook at dear single mama that's m-o-m-m-a podcast on facebook and also dear single mama podcast on instagram you can also reach me at info at C-L-A-R-I-O-N-D-E-N-I-S-H-A dot com. That is my um, email. Um, Rhonda, if you don't mind, I'm just going to close us out um, in prayer. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, whew, we thank you, Lord. We come to you humbly, God, and we just thank you for the opportunity for Rhonda and I to connect, Lord, that as anyone who hears this podcast, God, even if it's just one, oh God, may they be touched. May something from this episode resonate with their soul, with their spirit, and may people begin to heal. May people begin to leave if they are in those domestic or any type of abusive relationships, oh God. May you give them the guidance, the wisdom, and even the structure strategically on how to leave a hunt to God. May the person who's listening to this, may you just give them strength to leave. May you give them the courage to leave right now in the mighty name of Jesus and safely right now. I just ask and I just plead the blood of Jesus over them, over their children right now, mighty God, and that you just send your angels of protection to surround them each and um, every day, God. And as they begin to heal, even for that woman that's left, but that hasn't healed, may you begin to Mm -hmm. heal her. May she begin to feel your touch and your loving arms around her like never before, because you are a comforter, almighty God. So may you just comfort her and comfort her children right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for Rhonda, almighty God. May you bless her. May you increase her like never before, almighty God. May you keep her and her children and her grandchildren, almighty God. May you continue to strengthen them and bring them together as a family like never before, oh God, with joy and peace and love surrounding them all the days of their lives. And so I just thank you for what you're doing in this podcast. I don't take it lightly. I give it to you and I give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And this has been another episode of Dear Single Mama. I will talk to you later, Rhonda. All right. Thank you so much, Claire. 